Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. I don't know about you, but when someone says to you, what do you want for Christmas? Are you one of those people who instantly knows what they want for Christmas? Or do you struggle to think, oh, I'm not sure, what do I want for, what do I want for Christmas? Um, I guess when you're younger as a child, it's, it's easier, I think, you, you almost have this list of things that you want for Christmas. I, I, it sort of made, got me thinking about, um, I wonder what were the most popular gifts over the decades. And so I did a little bit of digging around, and without using your phone, okay, so don't Google it, um, I want you to just guess the most popular toys in each decade. For, for a few decades. So just shout out what you think. So in the 1940s, what do you think was the most popular toy? Meccano, that's a good one. Action Man, what was Spinning Top? Hula Hoop? Rocking Horse, good guesses. In 1940s, Lego was released. And Lego was the most popular uh, toy of the 1940s on sales. So that's quite something. 1950s, what do you think was the most popular toy? Lego. (laughs) No, it took the 40s, but it didn't get the 50s. Meccano is a good one. It's good, but it's not right. (laughs) Scale electric. No. (laughs) She had a film film out this year, Barbie. Barbie was the most popular toy of the 1950s. 1960s, G.I. Joe, Play Cookers, and Etch-A-Sketch. 1970s, Scale Electrics, good, but not according to this. Stretch Armstrong, big film came out in the 70s, Star Wars. Star Wars toys and Space Hoppers. 1980s. It was Rubik's Cube, Cabbage Patch Dolls, and Transformers. 1990s. Nearly, nearly, just a bit early. Game Boy, yep. Power Rangers and Furby. And then the 2000s, Nintendo was one of them. Any others? They, they came in a little bit later. It was Bratz Dolls and Hungry Hippos was up there. <laughs> bit of a retro comeback there. And then in the t- in 2010s and onwards, it was play- PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, mobile phones. It's interesting how those things have developed. When Abby Amanu or Sam and Hannah asked me what I want for Christmas and have done over recent years, I never know. So I have a stock answer that every year I instantly reply to them. They say, what would you like for Christmas? And I say, world peace and Everton to win the league. (laughs) (laughs) Neither of which seems highly likely. (laughs) Anytime soon. Although in recent results we've won four. So that won't last. And world peace. 
It's interesting, isn't it? None of us kind of think, oh, there'll be world peace. And yet in the Christmas story, it says, peace. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, we, we sang it and we read it. One of the names for Jesus is Prince of Peace. And then the story of the angels coming to the shepherds at Bethlehem. The message of the birth of, the birth of Jesus is glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those on whom his favour rests. <coughs> so Jesus is the Prince of Peace and there's peace for those on whom his favour rests. But if that's the case, why are we living in a world that's so full of war, conflict, difficulty, challenge? Why are we living in a culture where people feel overwhelmed, stressed, anxious, fearful? If God says he's the prince of peace and there's peace for those on whom his favour rests. I wonder if we just think about that for a bit this morning. I'm not going to do a really long talk. I just want to think about that. The first Christmas card was sent in 1843 by Henry Cole. He was the founder and founding director of the Victoria and Albert Museum. And he was also charged for reforming the post office. Good idea to introduce Christmas cards. The Royal Mail said that they deliver somewhere in the region of 150 million Christmas cards over the Christmas period. And we're told that somewhere in the region of a billion are sold each year. I think that's probably beginning to dip now a little bit, actually, but over recent years. And I imagine if you write Christmas cards, you write a very similar thing in each Christmas card. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year or something like that, especially if you write a lot of them. Well, the Apostle Paul wrote a lot of letters to the churches, and we have many of them in the New Testament. And he starts his letters with a similar greeting in all of them. He says these words, grace and peace to you. For example, in Romans 1.7, he puts it in a particular order. <coughs> Excuse me. Grace and peace to you. And he always says it in that order. Grace and peace to you. He never says peace And grace to you. And I don't think it's just because he was in a habit of writing in a certain way. You can't know peace with God until you've experienced the grace of God. So it's always grace and peace. You can't experience the peace with God until you've experienced the grace of God. In fact, there's an order that we're going to look at briefly this morning. The grace of God... Peace with God, the peace of God. And it always flows in that order. The grace of God, peace with God, the peace of God. What is grace? Well, 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, That you might know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. It's not talking about just finances. It's saying he left the glory of heaven to stoop down for us, to lift us up into connection with him. God's grace is God's undeserved favour. Peace to those on whom his favour rests. His undeserved favour. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But because of the grace of God, Christmas happened. Because of the grace of God, Easter happened. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully God 
fully man, comes to earth so that we can enjoy a relationship with God. Let me just step back and give you the big story very briefly. You see, in the beginning, God created everything. And God is good, and God is loving, and God is holy. And so everything he makes reflects that. He made a perfect environment for people to enjoy with lots of permission and a few parameters. And in the start of things, people really enjoyed that. But then a little thing called sin that became a very big thing entered the story. The Bible tells us that Satan lied to people and tempted them to believe that God is not good. God is not loving. In fact, there is the opposite. He withholds things and you have to make a way of being fulfilled to your own potential yourself. And the first human beings believed that lie. They took the fruits and sin entered the story and were still living with the damaging consequences of that. What is sin? little acrostic that helps us to understand it. S-I-N. S, shove off God. I, I'm in charge. N, not your way, my way. That's sin. When we say to God, shove off, I'm in charge, not your way, my way. Not your priorities, my priorities. Not what you think, what I think. That sin separates people from God. And so Jesus enters the scene. God loves so, people so much. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Love people so much that they take action. And Jesus is born that first Christmas time. Because God has a plan to reconnect people with himself. So that they can know his favour and his peace can rest upon them. He fulfilled the law for us. He fulfilled all the punishments needed for us. And he made a way for us to be right with God. And it requires a response from us. The Bible puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 5. At the end of the chapter through into 2 Corinthians 6. God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the time of salvation. Grace and peace. Don't receive God's grace in vain. God offers us all forgiveness and to know his favour. But we can say no. And if we say no, then we don't have peace with God. And if we don't have peace with God, it's not possible to know the peace of God. Don't receive God's grace in vain, but respond and say, yes, Jesus, I want to know your forgiveness. I want to know your grace. I want to be in a right relationship with you. How do we receive that gift? Well, by faith. We simply take God as his word. And he even gives us the faith to believe. It's all a gift. The Bible puts it like this. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified's a funny word, isn't it? It means, just as if I'd never sinned. Jesus takes the punishment for everything we've ever done wrong. Or everything we should have done right that we didn't do. Or every time we were selfish or proud. He takes all that punishment and then all the righteousness of God, he credits into our accounts. The Prince of Peace wants us to receive his favour so that we can be at peace with God. He came and preached peace to you who were far away. And peace to those who are near, Ephesians 2, 17. 
So we can know the peace with God and then we can know the peace of God. God loves to give good gifts. Christmas we think about giving and I think one of the reasons we give is because not so much that the wise men brought gifts but because God gave. Gave his only son. And God loves to give good gifts. But have you noticed life gives us some gifts that we want to return? Gifts that we'd rather take back. There's a person in our family who I love dearly. Uh, You don't know them that well. (coughs) But whenever we buy them a gift, I know we have to keep the receipt. Because they will change it. They will change the gift. And the only time that hasn't happened is we walked into next one year and Jackie said, what shall we get for? And I said, it really doesn't matter. The question is, how much do you want to spend? So she decided how much she wanted to spend and I picked up a random item for that amount of money. We wrapped it and gave it to them. That they kept. (laughs) All the others, they've returned. God wants to exchange some of the gifts that life has given to you that you don't want. I was reading this morning and it reaffirmed this that I'd already put in my notes. It was in my readings, my daily readings. Isaiah 61.3, it says, He gives a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He gives the oil of joy instead of mourning. He gives the garments of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So if you feel like you've got ashes, life's just a pile of dust, give it to God, he'll give you beauty for it. If you feel like life's overwhelming and I'm so sad, and we all have days like that, give it to God. And you'll find a way of putting a supernatural joy into your life. If you feel a spirit of despair, if you ever reach that point, what am I going to do? Take it back. Say to God, life's given me this gift. I don't want it. I'm at the exchange counter, God. I would like to give you despair. What would you have in return for me? He says, I've got this lovely garment of praise. Let's see if it fits. Life still has its ups and downs. (coughs) Life still has its challenges. But once we've received the grace of God and we're at peace with God, we have the opportunity of being, knowing the peace of God. But we've got to keep going back to God with those things and taking them and saying, God, please help me with this. The Bible puts it like this. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. The message version of the Bible puts it like this. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let your petitions and prayers shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, A sense of God's wholeness, of everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. 
It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I know what it is to be a worrier. I, I, I'm not trying to impress you with who I am so I can tell you the reality of who I am. There are times I've struggled with and still at times struggle with anxiety, with worry and with fear. And I have to go to God and I have to say to him, God, I, I need to, I'm back at the returns counter. I've got this. Can I give it to you? And what do you have in exchange for me? Last Christmas, Christmas Eve, um, I, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail this, but I felt I should share this story. I'm going to share it briefly. <coughs> I had a, a coughing fit on Christmas Eve. Some of you know this. And when I was coughing, I brought up some, some blood as I was coughing. I didn't want to make a fuss, so I didn't say anything. I didn't want to make anybody anxious over Christmas, so I didn't say anything. And about two or three weeks later, we were going for our COVID booster, me and Jackie, and there was a sign up in the, in the clinic, you know, if you've coughed up blood. And I just said to Jackie in passing, oh, that's happened to me. Needless to say, within hours, I was in front of a doctor. <laughs> He said, you need to do something about this. You need to go and see a doctor. So I went and seen the doctor. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but throughout this year, on a couple of occasions, a few occasions, that's happened to me. I've had chest x-rays. I've had a CT scan. And then in summer, I was fast-tracked to, to some tests for cancer where I had a bronchoscopy and, and stuff like that. And that they've, thankfully, that one's come back clear. I've got a couple of bits and bobs to go and get tests on yet, but it's looking good. But when I was going for that bronchoscopy where they put a camera into your lung, I was, I was laying on the hospital bed waiting for my test. <coughs> and that morning, Rach and Wendy independently had sent me a verse of scripture, different verses. And so I'm laying on this bed and I'm thinking, what I'm going to do is I'm going to think about those two verses that different people have sent me. I could freak out here. That's one option. Option one, freak out <laughs> Option two, think about scripture. And so I just began to think about these two verses of scripture. And all I can describe to you is an overwhelming sense of peace about that situation flooded my life. And it's not gone away about that. To the point where I thought, they probably slipped me a tranquilizer here or some sedative. So I said to the nurse, I said, do I have, am I sedated for this procedure? She said, oh, you, you will be. I said, have I been sedated? She said, no. So I then thought, this must be the peace of God. And I've got to say, I could have worried if I'd have tried, but I would have had to try hard. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Now, I'd love to sell you about every anxiety or worry that hits my life. I feel exactly the same. I don't. I have to go to God with every one of them and ask for his help. Now, you not, might not struggle with those things. You might struggle with different things. But the Prince of Peace can give you peace for whatever you're facing. It could be a financial thing. It could be an addiction. It could be a relationship. 
But you can experience the grace of God, nor peace with God, and nor the peace of God. If you choose to say yes to him. I'm sure that we have all had times when life gives us unwanted gifts. <coughs> this Christmas time, I encourage you, bring them to Jesus. And ask him to exchange them for something far better. As I come to a conclusion, I just want to say that there are times in our lives when we feel like things have been the way they are for so long that they'll never change. The Romans ruled for a thousand years. And 600 years into that rule, Jesus was born. <coughs> Can you imagine living under, under a power that's, that's ruling your country for century after century after century with no potential end in sight? Some people feel, the way my life is, it's always been like this. There's no signal of change. It will always be like this. And in the middle of that, God sends a baby. Born of a virgin, fully God, fully man. And says, change is coming. If you feel the situation you're in, it's always been like this. I've no hope for the future for this. Jesus, when he grew up, he used a picture of what God's rules like. He said, it's like a mustard seed. God just drops a little seed of a possibility of something changing. And it grows and grows and grows until it takes over. I don't know if you've noticed, but the Roman Empire is not ruling at the moment. But Jesus is still on the throne. And your situation may seem unchangeable to you, but Jesus can come into it. And he won't normally just blast it all apart and change it instantly. But he'll bring something in that begins to work change that lasts forever. You can know the grace of God. You can be at peace with God. And then you can know the peace of God. But you've got to choose. (coughs) Perhaps this morning, you want to invite the Prince of Peace to rule in your life. To bring you hope and love and peace. Later in that passage that we started this talk with in Isaiah 9... The passage says, of the increase of of his government and peace, there will be no end. This is an endless peace. And there'll come a day in the earth when God will put all things right, when he returns. But until that day, we can live under the peace of God and be at peace with God. There's no end to the peace that God offers. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.